Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution coming to you from Midtown, my new location. This is the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast and it's kind of a slow news day today. Only a couple of things to talk about. Let's see. Um, uh, the club bought out Joseph Martinez's contract, the face of the franchise. Miles Robinson doesn't seem likely he's going to sign his contract. Just a pretty quiet preseason here for the MLS team. We're going to go into a lot of that. We're going to go into a lot of questions in the mailbag. I hope that you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You're going to hear some promos later to tell you how to subscribe to the podcast. I hope you'll do that because we did really well last year, thanks to all of our great audience and our great producers, and we're hoping to keep growing the podcast. I have a lot of fun doing it. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. And now we are going to dive in to the news of the day, which was kind of news everyone expected. Joseph Martinez, El Rey, the king, the leading scorer in franchise history, holder of many, many MLS records, contract was bought out. It's a complicated situation because it's Major League Soccer and nothing is easy. So he wasn't put on waivers. He was simply given an opportunity to be reassigned. And he chose to be reassigned to Miami, where he'll go. I don't think he's going to be a DP because Atlanta United is paying for a portion of his salary that takes him down to what's called targeted allocation money level. So Atlanta United will have a DP slot open. I think Miami will have a DP slot open. I think either way, Martinez is no longer on the team. Miami's already put out a video featuring him. He's going to be introduced to Miami's fans on Saturday before it's friendly against Brazilian side Vasco da Gama. So we were able to talk with Carlos Bocanegra, Atlanta United's vice president today. And here is what he said about the decision to buy out Joseph Martinez. Oh, so look, uh, this was a decision that, that came from a lot of analysis. Um, there wasn't any single event or anything like that that, that led us to this. You know, we had a lot of internal conversations. Um, you know, I had a lot of conversations also with, with Joseph throughout the years. And, you know, at this moment, we decided it was, it was best to go in a different direction. Um, we communicated that to, to Joseph and, and uh, his representatives in the offseason. And um, now, like, to be fair, they've, you know, it's been very professional and, and, and done, um, you know, from their side, they've been super respectful. And, and I think trying to find a solution that, that worked for both parties and uh, we're able to come to that today. Many of you who follow the team are aware that Joseph is a passionate guy. 
He's a fiery guy. He doesn't like losing. He doesn't like not scoring. And so there were some, several incidents the past few years in which Joseph acted, you could say, disrespectfully toward either teammates or management. At the same time, he was also a leader of the team. So, you know, you can't have the one sometimes without the other. But here's Bocanegra talking about the analysis behind releasing Joseph and if they knew that it was time to move on. Look, for, as far as analysis goes, we do that uh, on all of our players. We do that on our uh, entire team, our roster, uh, how we're playing. Uh, do we feel like you know, we're getting what we need out of, out of certain positions? Um, and that's everything um, from our team style to, to the, the profile player we're looking for. So, you know, this had been an ongoing discussion. Again, it's, it's not only uh, on, on Joseph, it's with the whole team. And uh, so it was, it was a long analysis. And, um, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, we present kind of the, the thought on how we're going to go forward. And, um, you know, but ultimately after the season was over, uh, we, we took that decision as a club that, you know, we, we would like to go in a different direction. Um, and so now, obviously, you know, we, we need to bring in another center forward. So that, that's a position of need for us right now. But that's, uh, that's where things stand. I see a lot of you on Twitter are criticizing Boca Negra for this decision. It wasn't made in a vacuum. This was made in, in, as a group in consultation with manager Gonzalo Pineda. Garth Lagerway was uh, involved a little bit. I'm sure Arthur Blank was told he doesn't really have a, a lot of participation, I guess for lack of a better word, in the day-to-day operations of the club. He has an interest in the club, but he's a CEO on top of a CEO. He's not going to stick his fingers in the day-to-day runnings of, of the club. It's just not going to happen. That doesn't make any sense. No business does that. So here's Bocanegra talking about how difficult of a decision it was to let Joseph go. It means a lot to the city and the club. And, you know, we realized that. And it was really about respect, Tom, and trying to have this conversation where I remember in 2020, Joseph hurt him, hurt his knee. Uh, it was COVID. He came over. We, we sat in my, my backyard and we we're actually having a cigar and uh, just chatting about it. At some point, this day will come that uh, that's professional sports and we're going to have to part our ways. And, um, you know, un- unfortunately, the, the time is now. And, uh, you know, this chapter is going to a close, but it was really just about respect. And uh, it was how do we find a solution for you that works? You know, and he's going to be happy. Obviously, he had the no trade clause in his contract as well. So it's not like uh, the other trades within the MLS where you can you can make a trade or the other major sports. Um, so we worked together. And, and in the end, you know, with with ownerships, um, you know, backing, you know, we're, we're helping take care of uh, some of that that cost, as you guys saw. And um, he's in a he landed in a place where he's got family and, and comfortable and uh, it seems to be, you know, the, the best of the situation that, that, that uh, or the best outcome that, that we have in the situation. And going back to Arthur Blank for a second, I put a portion of a statement given to us by the club in my story that you could find online at Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC uh, with the headline, uh, Joseph Martinez's time with Atlanta United is over. And again, my Twitter is at Doug Robertson AJC. Going back to some more sound from Boca Negra during the 25 minutes that he spoke today. MLS is a little bit of a different league. It has a lot of complicated, some would say unnecessary rules. And one of those is that Joseph had a no trade clause in his contract, which is unique to MLS. 
And here's Bocanegra talking about how the no trade clause affected his decision. I mean, the no trade clause is very unique to soccer in our, our country only, really, right? And so um, it, it, it's not too different where you know, the players have a, a say-so in where they want to end up and where they want to go when they go outside of the league. But this one, in, internally, it was, it was a similar situation. So, um, you know, we, we had just kind of conversations on, on where would be some possibilities. Um, you know, in the end, again, Joseph can speak to this more if you speak to him, but I think he wanted to ultimately stay in the United States. He loves it here. So I, I don't want to speak for him on, on that topic. You guys can ask him that question. But I think ultimately it was that. And did we have interest in him yet? I mean, a lot of people called and, and asked about it, right? And what's the situation? What's happening? You can imagine uh, a guy that scored over 100 goals in, in MLS. Uh, there, there's going to be some interest and, and people asking what's going on. So yeah, but ultimately, we're able to, to find the solution in, in Miami and uh, seems to be the outcome uh, that was best. I, I thought it was important to ask Bocanegra today if he's feeling even more pressure than he's ever felt. The team hasn't made the playoffs in two of the past three seasons, including last year. There's a new president, Garth Lagerway. He's now just had to buy out the face of the franchise, a guy who I think still has a mural down in, in the Castleberry Hill section of Atlanta. And right now this team on paper is solid, but not great. If you had to do preseason predictions, it wouldn't be among the the teams that would make the playoffs right now. So I asked Carlos if he's feeling even more pressure than maybe he's ever felt. I think there's always pressure. There's always pressure in sports. You know, I was well aware of, you know, when you make a trade uh, of this magnitude, it's under the, the microscope. You know, didn't do it in a vacuum. Had a lot of discussions with, with our group and, and and everyone involved in the club. But no, there's always pressure. Look, we're we're frustrated at how last season went. Right? We obviously we feel we should be a perennial playoff team and competing for that top four each year. So um, that hasn't changed. Uh, and, and this is sports, and so we you know we've got to we've got to get in gear and, and and ramp it back up this year. Now, Joseph isn't the only bit of news going on with Atlanta United right now. Center back Miles Robinson arguably the second most valuable asset on the club behind Diego Almada is returning from an Achilles injury. He's been practicing with the team at Lenny United put a contract extension on the table for him after he suffered his injury last year. Carlos, when speaking in November said that he hoped it would be accepted and, and signed around Christmas time. That did not happen. We are now in the middle of February I asked Miles the other day at training if he had plans on signing the deal, and it doesn't sound like he is. He's, he sounds like he's betting on himself and is going to play out this contract and then become a free agent, able to go anywhere in the world. But here's Bocanegra talking about Miles Robinson's contract situation. As an update on, on Miles, um, you know, the contract is still, still on the table. He, he's not signed it so far, um, but you know we'll have continued discussions. We're, we're not in a rush with him. There's no timeline or deadline that we're taking it off the off the table um we've had continued good discussions so um, that's kind of where things stand with him i thought robinson might be waiting to see what if aaron long what deal he was going to get from lafc the two are good friends robinson said yesterday that he spoke with long a lot during his rehab because long went through a similar thing two years ago came back and, and played well for red bulls and got called into the u.s uh, men's national team that went to qatar in the World Cup. And here's Robinson talking about his rehab and his goal. 
you know, I told my trainers uh, at the start of the rehab, I said, if I'm not faster and stronger than I was before, then it's a failure. So, so I think it's, uh, it's one of those things. I think I'm, I'm on that, uh, that course to be faster and stronger. Atlanta United's communications team is doing something a bit different this year. Instead of two days of the week where we're being told the players who are going to be made available, they're allowing us to ask for certain players so that we can get some one-on-ones and some unique content that all the people who cover Atlanta United aren't all writing the same things. Uh, so I was able to get a one-on-one with Andrew Gutman, who I thought had a, a pretty good year. He kind of disagrees, thinks he could be a lot better in a lot of different areas, but here he is talking about those areas. So how do you build off of last season? Personally or like? Yeah, personally, and then we'll get to the team. Um, I think just continuing to do what, what I've been doing. Um, you know, I'm not someone that's ever satisfied with, with my performances. To be honest, I don't think I had the best year last year. I think there's a lot of things I could improve on. Um, so, yeah, just keep working hard and, you know, never being satisfied. What areas can you improve? Well, I mean, it's tough. It's kind of weird to say, but finishing. I thought okay. I could have had, you know, eight, eight or nine goals. Um, you know, my crossing, I thought I could have connected on a little bit better crosses, uh, kind of get maybe a couple more assists. Um, and then defensively, I think there's a couple times in, in moments of the games that maybe I didn't get punished on for, for a goal, but I definitely was out of position and, you know, the team was able to get in behind me. Have you and Pineda yet discussed, are you going to be wingback, fullback, third center back, anything like that this year? No, he hasn't told me anything. I'm, I'll play wherever he wants me to play. How about the team? I mean, y'all have lost, I think, almost 50% of the goals. I know you've got players coming mm-hmm. in, but how do y'all improve just the finishing and everything this year? Yeah, I think it's just holding ourselves to a higher standard. Um, you know, I think last year was the mentality was always like, oh, it's okay, the next one's coming, the next one's coming. I think the mentality this year should be like, no, every chance we get, we need to score. No matter if we get 30 chances a game, we should put 30 goals in, in the back of the net. Um, so just holding ourselves to a higher standard, you know, I think – for parts of the the year last year, maybe we didn't realize how big of a club Atlanta United is. And, you know, us as a team need to come together and, and realize that this is a massive club. It expects trophies. It expects playoffs. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, building off of, of that. For people on the outside, can you explain to them, now that you've had some time to reflect on it, just how the injuries just really affected y'all? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was huge. I mean, you guys were watching training today, just having Brad back, how loud he is and, you know, how much of a presence he is. Um, you know, same with Miles. I was, I came a little bit back a little bit early and just to see Miles back in training, you know, running around, playing with the ball, it's a massive confidence boost. And then, you know, Ozzy's working his way back. Yeah, it's just, it, it was tough. It seemed like if those injuries kind of happened sporadically around the season, maybe it'd be okay. But it just seemed like one after another, it was one guy went down, then another guy went down. And you know, it, it takes a toll on the team, not only, you know, physically with the bodies, but also mentally. Maybe guys are starting to think, like, you know, w- what's going on this year. So it was it was definitely tougher than I think a lot of people realized in the moment. What is the team's belief level right now in this preseason that it can get back into the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's. I think we fully believe that. Um, you know, Gonzo and his staff have have implemented that it's culture before anything right now. Um, so you know, we've made a couple changes in and around the training ground. Um, and you know, you you don't play this sport just to play it. You play it for trophies. So you know, if you're if you're going into preseason thinking, oh, maybe we we want to get into playoffs, that's not the mentality. You got to go into preseason thinking we're going to compete for MLS Cup. And I think everyone has that mentality. Anything you could share about the changes that he's made? 
Uh, no, I'll let him speak on that okay. if he wants to, yeah. <laughs> is there anything specific? You mentioned a few things that you can improve, but is there anything specific you're looking to improve upon in preseason? Yeah, I think, you know, it, defensively, I think just better positioning. Okay. I think that comes down to just, you know, watching film, talking with the coaching staff, and then I think, you know, my final ball when I get into these areas because, you know, year after year I'm finding myself in great spots, and I think what's letting me down is just my quality of my final ball. Um, so that's something that I, I really thought about over the offseason, and I want to, you know, try to implement this preseason. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get six months of unlimited digital access to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, etc. Get all of our stories on AJC.com, access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from Mark Bradley. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Well, as y'all can imagine, got a lot of really good questions for the mailbag portion of the podcast. So we're going to dive into those now. As always, I want to thank you for sending those to me to my email at droberson at ajc.com or the DMs on my Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. A lot of you are friends of the podcast. And so we're going to dive right in. And these are in no particular order. So the topics will be bouncing around a little bit. Ben asks, is there any fear would Derek Etienne won't repeat his career high production of last season? He says it's similar to Atlanta bringing in Justin Miram after career years in Columbus and not seeing that same production. I don't think I agree with that, um, that Miram didn't produce for Atlanta United. I thought he was very, very good. His salary was a little prohibitive as to what Atlanta United wanted to do, and that's why they didn't re-sign him. Miram told me that Atlanta rekindled his love of the sport, and he's shown that with great performances with Real Salt Lake. As for Etienne... He had career highs and goals with nine and assists in six last season. It's going to be interesting because, so let's say he plays on the left. The team already has Edwin Mascara, Caleb Wiley on the left, assuming Andrew Gutman is the fullback or wingback. He can't go to the right because that's where Luis Arujo with DP plays. For his assists, it's all going to depend upon who's the striker. And I just posted a story on AJC.com uh, with a headline, What's Next for Atlanta United at Striker? So I hope you'll read that. His goals, it's just going to depend upon if he can get into those uh, good situations that he was able to get into with Columbus. You have to also keep in mind that Columbus had a couple of really, really good players that took a lot of attention away from the wingers, and that gave Etienne a lot of space. We'll have to see if Atlanta United can replicate that form to try to put Etienne in good positions for this season. Seems like a good guy. I'm looking forward to watching him play. John asks, what is taking so long on signings and how am I liking Midtown? I love living in Midtown. If you see me out and about, please feel free to say hi. Tim has already done that. We went and got some beers the other night. I'm always looking to to meet new people, so please feel free. Uh, What is taking so long on signings? 
nothing happens fast with Atlanta United. Uh, nothing happens fast with MLS. A lot of T's have to be crossed and I's that have to be dotted. So that's why things are taking a while. Plus, it's uh, we got a new president. I imagine that some processes have changed. I imagine that there's a lot of conversations before signings happen. Maybe compared to how it was under Darren Eels. I don't know. That's just a guess. Y'all who have experience having a new boss know that things either get much quicker or get much slower, depending upon that person's personality. So Sean says, assuming Joseph leaves, good assumption, how many roster spots does the team have open? What positions are the thinnest? At this point, what are reasonable expectations for the season? So there are 30 players on the roster with Joseph's departure. Three of those players are out or will go out on loans. That's Barco and and Lopez and Moreno. At least two more, in my opinion, possibly as many as five more, will likely go out on loans to USL-level teams so they can get some playing time. That doesn't mean they're going to go to Atlanta United 2, which is on the MLS next level, which isn't as good as USL. Those players could be, I'm not saying they are, but could be, a Johnny Fortune, Noah Cobb, Efraim Morales, Jackson Conway, and Tyler Wolf. Of that group, I think it's more likely Fortune and Morales are definitely going to go on loan somewhere. As for the other three, I'm not sure. You could throw Machop Chal in there, maybe. Because these guys have got to get playing time. There's no point in signing them as homegrowns if they're not going to get experience playing. Thinnest position, striker. There's only one striker on the roster right now, and that's Jackson Conway. I, I'm, I'm really curious. Some of you really like Ronaldo Cisneros. Some of you really didn't like Ronaldo Cisneros. But I'm really curious what his asking price was from Chivas that Atlanta United could not bring him back, at least to add some competition. He knows MLS, he knows Atlanta United, Atlanta United knows him. So you don't have to worry about the the cultural assimilation and everything like that. Anyway, that's the thinnest position. You could argue center midfielder is thin and you could argue center back is thin with experienced players. Right now it's only Robinson and Juanjo Parata. You have Noah Cobb, who has yet to play a minute in MLS. Efren Morales, who has yet to play a minute in Major League Soccer. Andrew Gutman can play as a center back in a three center back rotation, but probably not as a regular center back. Cole asks, do I have stats or thoughts on all of past season's injuries or the amount of game time missed by players in the first half of these seasons? While our potential starting 11 could look great, the depth just does not seem to be there for the injuries we can expect. Thoughts? No, I don't have numbers. I do know that when the team won the MLS Cup in 2018, there were more than, I think it was 120 combined games missed by starters because of injuries. So this is not new to Atlanta United. It may not be new within MLS. I don't really keep track of other teams' injuries. It would be nice if the league would would do something with that. you got to think that last year can't repeat itself. It just seems improbable that there could be as many injuries as the team had last year. The, uh, one of my not favorite, but stats I use a lot, is about halfway through the season when you look at the back six. So that's goalkeeper, two center backs, two fullbacks, and the defensive midfielder. Only one of those players was on the roster at the beginning of the season. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And the team still had a chance to make the playoffs at the end of the season. You got to think that can't happen again. And if it does, then I don't know what changes would have to be made. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a a trainer, a sports scientist, a kinesiologist, uh, uh, any ologist you want to throw out there. I'm not one of those. But it's got to be, it just can't happen again. 
Jason says, what happened to Ronaldo Cisneros and Eric Lopez? Well, explain Cisneros. Lopez is likely likely going to go out on loan again. He is not with the club. I don't think you'll ever see him with the club again. So that covers that. Jason says, what's my honest assessment of Carlos Bocanegra? Many people want him fired on the posts I see. Don't go looking on Twitter right now if you're a Bocanegra fan. I can tell you that. I admit some signings have not planned out, but injuries and coaching changes I feel have contributed to the lack of success as well. They have. Some people don't like context. They just like results. And it is sports, so it is a results-oriented business. But there, there are two sides to every story. Have Has Bocanegra made some good personnel choices? No. Has he, has he made some good choices? Yes. Almada has been a success. Marino was, you can argue, a success. I, I would argue that it was a little bit of a mix. Some of the depth pieces have worked out, but some, Andrew Gutman, Brooks Lennon, I think, have. The jury's still out on Ozzy Alonso because he got injured. Emerson Hyman was a really good player for Atlanta United when he got to play, but injuries hurt him. You can't predict injuries. You just can't. Unless you're like dealing with a Mike Hampton or, or a Christian Pulisic and you know you're going to get injuries. So, you know, I think this is the make or break year for Bocanegra. He's got to get this striker signing right. He's got to get these other two players that the team is allegedly bringing in or reportedly bringing in, according to Gonzalo Pineda, right. I think it's going to be center midfielder. I think it's going to be a center back, or it may be two strikers and a center back. And the team has to make the playoffs. If it doesn't make the playoffs, I think that will likely be the end of Bocanegra. But we're in the preseason. Everything's roses. Everything's balloons. Everything's seashells. We'll see what happens. Friend of the podcast, Henry says, any idea on the three signings Pineda talked about last week might be? He was hoping they would be announced by the end of the week. If there's one thing I do know about Atlanta United, they typically follow bad news, which today I would imagine is seen as bad news with Martinez with some good news. So I think you'll probably see at least one signing announced by the end of the week. And I think that signing will be at striker. I'm sure Pineda wants them in working in the system for the next few weeks until the season opener against San Jose on February 25th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They're tied to a striker at Celtic. A lot of y'all want them to go and try to trade for Arango from LAFC. I don't know what assets Atlanta United has other than a lot of GAM, which they may have just used to buy out Joseph Martinez to get Arango. I'm sure a lot of teams are jockeying to try to get him. He's a very, very good player. Henry continues, let's assume the worst case scenario that Atlanta fails to make the three signings that Pineda said they were working on. Does Atlanta still have time to find the right people? Yeah, they do. And I don't think Pineda would have mentioned it had these signings not been really, really close. I would be stunned if that striker from Celtic doesn't come. I don't think he would even be a DP level salary, which would be important for Atlanta United because that would enable them to have a free slot going into the summer when Garth Lagerway made a lot of moves with Seattle. Where do your, Henry continues, where do your expectations for the team this season lie? I can't really give expectations right now. If you want me to give it based upon the roster I see, this team won't make the playoffs. There's there's just not a, there's not a bona fide goal scorer, and you've got to have that. Now, could it make the playoffs? Sure. Our Ahujo season has got to be better than last year. Almada should be even better. Of course, there's always the dreaded sophomore slump, but I don't think that would affect him too much. But if there's not a good striker, he's not going to get any assists. And if you can't get any assists, you're, you know it's a chicken or the egg type of thing. But it's still too early. I do think the core of the team is really good, but you've got to find the goal scorer. Goals change games, as Brad Guzan says all the time. The Colonel. 
from Twitter. I don't know if he's a real colonel, but that's his handle. And I don't know the answer to this colonel, but I'll ask anyway. How many 17s exercise the opt-out option for the AmFam and League's Cups? We did because it was too open-ended, too expensive, and too early to commit, he says. Uh, if y'all want to email me and tell me if you opted out because you didn't like the verbiage in Atlanta United's uh, marketing email, uh, I've read it and I can understand your your aggravation. I would say that the team did warn you in December that this was going to happen, but I can also safely say that I'm sure most of you didn't read those emails because I don't read a lot of those types of emails. They're just not fun. Who wants to spend time reading the small print? Other than one of my professors when I was earning my MBA at Georgia State who said for fun he liked to read his insurance disclaimers and writers at night. Really nice guy, but that I just don't get. Friend of the podcast, Dr. Fallis, asks, if we were to miss the playoffs this year, do you think Gonzalo Pineda will be kept as coach? Yes, I do. Last year, you have to throw out because of the injuries. Pineda didn't injure the players. Pineda didn't cause the injuries to the players. It was basically three seasons in one. And again, you have to keep in mind, the team had a chance to make the playoffs despite everything that happened. You've got to give Pineda some credit for that. I can understand why you're aggravated with him, but you've got to give him some credit for that. Hudson asks, I would like to hear any news or rumors you've heard of people coming in this window. I've mentioned the striker from Celtic, whose name I'm going to absolutely butcher, but I will give it an attempt anyway, is Georgios Giacomakis, who has 26 goals and 57 appearances for Celtic. Chicho Arango, 30 goals and 57 appearances for LAFC. All this is important because I want to go through a couple of things here real quick. The team scored 48 goals in 34 games last season. Gone from that team now are Martinez, who scored nine, Cisteros, who scored seven, Dwyer, who scored four, Moreno, who scored two, and Mulraney, who scored one. That's almost 50% of the team's goals gone. Now, looking at the money. Atlanta United has spent on buyouts for Joseph Martinez, I think around $2.5 million. Jurgen Dam, more than a million. Emerson Hyman, around 500000 And loans for portions of salaries for Barco, Moreno, and Eric Lopez. You put those together and it's probably around $2 million. Now, more than, at least more than a million. There's also transfers fees. The team has had to eat for Barco. Moreno, portions of those are paid as part of the salary but that's still a lot of money sitting out there. I just don't know if the team is going to go guns a-blazing on a DP-level striker. I asked Bocanegra if it was going to be a DP-level striker brought in, and he wouldn't say that it was. He neither said yes nor no, so you could take that for what you what you want. Caleb says, what does Atlanta United need to do to move on from the Joseph Martinez era? Find a striker who scores goals. The sooner that guy gets in there, and if he scores a hat trick against San Jose, the sooner people are going to say, well, Carlos Bocanegra made the right decision. If they bring in someone and he struggles, and Joseph Martinez and Joseph Martinez opens with a goal for Miami, then all that heat is going to be turned right back onto Bocanegra again. All right, we're down to our final four. Tony says, I believe that last year's team was missing some leadership down the stretch. Losing Ozzy after the D.C. United match was devastating. That guy could change the game with a crushing tackle. How much do you think he and Brad have left in the tank? How short is the leash on Brad if he's in poor form, especially as it will appear that goalkeeper position doesn't have very much quality in reserve? Well, Atlanta United just wants to get one more season out of both. Brad looks good. 
He was diving around uh, at training on Tuesday. He sounded confident. He sounded ready at his availability on Tuesday. Ozzie is still not back on the field with the team yet. Uh, I don't know when he's going to return, so I can't really give you a, a good idea on that. But I do agree that the team was missing leadership. I think he was missing leadership throughout the season. I think Juanjo Parada started to develop into that guy toward the end of the year, at least in terms of the back line. I think Andrew Gutman and Brooks Lennon could be those guys on the wings this season. They're both fiery. They're both uh, loud guys. They both work their butts off on the field. So we'll have to see. Blue says, is Atlanta United trying to sign Celtics Greek striker? I believe they are. Ben says, I think Miles has reservations on signing an extension because of the mismanagement of the club over the last three seasons. Why would he want to tie himself to a mid-table team with a USL-level manager? Do you think Miles Robinson will sign an extension? I don't think he has reservations about the management of the club. I think he has a chance to make some serious money if he were to go to a club in Europe or perhaps become a free agent. Center back, free agent center backs are getting at least a million right now. I don't know what Atlanta United has offered Robinson. He was asked by Sam Jones yesterday if he wanted a DP-level contract. And Robinson basically said that will work itself out when I start to play this season. I think Robinson could go to, to a team in Europe and be a really solid player if that's what he wants to do. A lot will be determined by this season. And then wrapping up the podcast, Joseph's departure makes it even less sense to have Tristan Traeger in camp this pre to not have Tristan Traeger in camp this preseason. In my opinion, he had more impact and productivity with a very patchwork Atlanta United team last year than any other player. Uh, Traeger left. Uh, he signed with the Charleston Battery in the USL. Uh, reasons have not been given. I assume it had something to do with, with playing for the MLS Next level team. It seems like it's going to be a step down for right now from USL. And Traeger, uh, I imagine, is a competitive guy, as most professional athletes are. He was very productive for Atlanta United 2 last season. I'm curious to see what he does with Charleston this year. I'm going to check my emails and Twitter just to make sure we don't have any final questions from all of you good people out there on the internets. I do not see any, so we are going to wrap up this podcast. I want to thank you all again for listening. I want to thank you all again for asking such fantastic questions. Y'all are good people. I respect your passion for the club. And I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And please subscribe to the newspaper. All right. Our next show will probably come out next week unless we get some big news this week with a signing. Please make sure to rate, review, follow, and share the show to help us grow. As always, hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. 
It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,